Yeah, as Lucy said, my name is Tim, and it's really great to be here, really great to be back. I was a student here, it's wonderful to be able to share today, wonderful to be heckled by Phil at some point. <laughs> Anything yet? Just, yeah, just wait a little bit, okay. Um, just to introduce me a little bit, because there's many people I do know, but many that I don't know in the room. Um, my name is Tim, I'm married to Laura, who's just over there, and we grew up in Lancaster in the northwest of England, and we met there as teenagers, and now we live down in Chester, which is where we... Uh, Laura went to university, and she works as a primary school teacher with year one children, which is P1, I think, here. They're snotty, and they're annoying. That's the age they're at. And um, I, uh, I spend my time tending my garden, reading books, and uh, working for Vineyard 53, which is a church on an adventure, inviting people into relationship with Jesus and seeking transformation in every part of life. I say that many times. That is, that is who we are, and that's what we do, and I love that. And it's, it's great to be back here, but it is cold. Like... We live on the west coast of England and we live further south. And I reckon that's five or six degrees. So I'm going to keep my coat on, not because I'm leaving in a hurry, but because I'm English. I'm from the tropical climate. <laughs> Great. Um, but as I start, and before we, before we open God's word together, I'd just love to commend this church to you. I, I reckon we're halfway through the first term. There'll be some people here for whom you're still just trying to work out, is this the church for you? And... Um, there are a number of great churches in St Andrews, there really are, and so settle wherever feels best for you. But if you do choose to settle here, you're going to find a community of people who love the Bible and love doing what it says. You'll find passionate worshippers of Jesus who are going to inspire you to, to follow him, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, with every bit of your life. And you're going to find a space where you're cared for on the one hand, but at the same time stretched. You're going to find and refine your gifts and skills. There's plenty of spaces to serve, to get involved, to lead. I cut my teeth doing exactly what I'm doing now here at Kingdom Vineyard. And um, it's a wonderful church, and they didn't ask me to say any of that, I promise. But it's, it's a great place to be, so I commend it to you. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open the Bible together, and I've left mine over there. So maybe as I pray, thanks Laura, um, <laughs> you can help. But come Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you that you're already here with us. And I ask right now that you would speak to us. Thank you that you have spoken and you continue to speak. Let's just come and have your way with us. Amen. And look at that. Thanks, Matt. So we're going to be in Psalm 4 this morning. Uh, it'd be great to open your Bible, follow along if you've got one with you. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you, to, you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin when you're on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So this psalm has been in my head 
uh, on my mind for a while now, actually a couple of years, sometime in COVID, it sort of came to my attention, and it's been bubbling away, and I felt, as I was preparing for this morning, praying and thinking about it, that this was the passage I was to share from. I'm just going to share some of the things that have been percolating for me over that time. That's what we're going to do. But I don't know about you, but I long to see God's kingdom come. I long to see his rule and his reign break out in greater measure among us. I look around in my own life and in society at large, and I see we're plagued by burnout culture, digital distraction, the extremes of consumerism. There's individualism and loneliness. A recent study, I'm going to depress you a little bit here, but says that 50% of people in the UK don't have one person that they can count on as a friend in a time of trouble. Um, there's climate change, there's extreme weather events, there's a widening gulf between rich and poor, there's war, and this is an exhausting list, but it's by no means exhaustive. I see all of this, and I'm just longing for God to step in and to move. I want to see all things made new. I want to see his presence and his power at work, now, here, in this place, in this day, among people that I know, in our families, amongst our peers, our colleagues, down our streets, in our schools, and in our hearts as well. It's what I long for. God, come and move. And I wake up in the morning, and I do my best to arrange my day around that pursuit, and I know here at Kingdom Inyard that I am not alone in that. You're a community as well, arranged around that pursuit in prayer and worship and study of the Bible. But I wonder if you can relate to this too. You get to the end of the day, if you're anything like me, and I'm tired. And if I can keep myself still enough for long enough to uncover what might be going on underneath the surface, I'm a bit disappointed. I'm frustrated. The day was difficult. Lots of different concerns have vied for my attention. God's new creation has not yet, as of this moment, come in all its fullness. And I just feel the weight of the world at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong, plenty of things to be thankful for, but at the end of the day, difficulty and distraction, if I sit still for long enough, are probably the things that fill my mind. And that's especially been the case since COVID over the last couple of years. And most often, that quite literally drives me to distraction. The pattern of the day is that I start in prayer, and then I end in Netflix, and then some days, I end on Netflix watching videos about why Netflix is a really bad idea. And then I'm like, oh, it would be funny, but it's so tragic. Um, <laughs> And it's into the midst of all of this, the difficulties and the distractions, that this psalm has captured my attention and held it. And one of the things that's so powerful about the psalms is the way that they, for the most part, don't tell us how to live, but they kind of show us a life well-lived, and particularly a life well-lived before God. And in so doing, they've got this power to shape our imaginations and our practice about how we too might live our lives before God. And Psalm 4, this beautiful psalm, shows us a life where we take the difficulties and the disappointments of the day and we don't mass them in distraction, but we bring them to God in devotion. It's a psalm for the end of the day or the end of the week or the month or the year. We too are invited to bring our difficulties and our disappointments to God, not to distract ourselves into a daze, but to come to him in devotion and to find rest. And so we're going to explore this psalm together this morning, and there are three little areas we're going, to, we're going to observe, and they all start with S. You're welcome. Searching, safety, and sleep. Let's grab a little drink. So the psalm starts out in calling out to God. 
and asking him to hear the answer to the psalmist's prayer. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And he then goes on to list lots of the different things that are rising beneath the surface. You can hear them. There's the shame, people turning his honor into shame. There's lies, or in, depending on the translation you've got in front of you, false gods, people seeking after false gods. There's anger. In your anger, do not sin. There's complaints. People say, where's, where's the provision coming from? Where's it all coming from? And then there's this ringing disappointment. How long? How long? And we don't know the precise context into which this psalm was written. It's ascribed to David, the king of Israel. And we know about many of the troubles of his life and situations. He was rejected, chased, suffered rebellion. There's personal failure in there. He had his share of very bad days. He was also the king of Israel, a position that we can't really imagine. But what I find so striking about the list that I just read out and the kind of themes that come through in this psalm is that the stuff he's crying out about is so universal. It struggles with other people. It's relationships. It's emotion. He says, anger, you know, in your anger, do not sin. And anger could be a talk all of its own, so I'm going to acknowledge that verse is a tricky little verse. We're not going to go there this morning, but what I think we should notice is that emotion is part of our life before God. He makes space for emotion. Whatever he's feeling, feels it before God. Provision. Who's going to bring prosperity? That's what people are asking. Like, that's a real thing. We're thinking about that. Like, how are we going to get through the week? How are we going to get through the month? Those are things that we think about. And meaning. People who love delusions and are seeking after false gods. David's asking, why are they going after all this meaningless stuff, God? All that worthless stuff. And at the end of the day, we're sat down eating dinner somewhere, maybe at the dining table, but more often on our laps. And I might say to Laura, hey, Laura, how was your day? And Laura will go, well, little so-and-so, they were really tricky today. I really struggled with that. I'm feeling quite stressed about it, actually. It's people and it's relationships. She might go, how's your day? And I work for a church, so I might well have gone, do you know what? I'm worried about the finances at the moment. Like, where's it all going to come from? And on the worst days, not every day, but sometimes we'll go, what's the point? You know, it, what's, is this all worth it? Are we going the right way? Not every day that comes up, but I think those same things, people, emotions, provision, meaning, those are kind of things that we, they're so universal, written more than 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 miles away, and yet the things that rise in my life are so similar. So I wonder for us this morning, what is rising to the surface? If we for a moment were to dial back the distraction and the noise, what would be coming up? What difficulties are we facing? Injustices are rankling. What kind of emotion is sitting there? And just again, come Holy Spirit. Would you search our hearts? It's a wonderful scene. I think it's wonderful. In the fifth Harry Potter book or film, where Harry has just kissed his love interest, Cho Chang. I'm sure most of us are familiar with the scene, but... In case anybody isn't, allow me to recount it badly. So Ron, Harry, and Hermione are sat debriefing how the kiss was. And so Ron says, how was it? And Harry says, it was wet. I mean, she was sort of crying. Ron chuckles back, that bad at it, are you? And um, Hermione retorts, I'm sure Harry's kissing was more than satisfactory. And then the scene goes on, and Hermione explains why Cho is crying a lot at the moment uh, with the weight of what's on her mind, to which Ron exclaims, one person can't feel all that at once, they'd explode. 
and Hermione rejoins with one of literature's most mediocre comebacks, <laughs> just because you've got the emotional range of a teaspoon. It's a little bit silly, it's a little bit silly. Very well acted in the movie. But I wonder, are you like Cho? Are you overwhelmed because there's so much going on right now? Are you like Hermione? Emotionally mature, able to, able to feel the feels for yourself and for someone else. Are you like Harry, able to describe how it felt, wet, but not quite how you're feeling? Or are you like Ron, as emotional as a teaspoon? <laughs> what this psalm shows is that a life lived well before God involves paying attention to what is rising up inside of us, the stuff that we've picked up through the day, and allowing ourselves to feel it before God. We've not got to whip emotion up, but we've also not got to bottle it down. For some of us, that'll mean getting in touch with our emotions, whatever baggage that idea might carry for us. But what the psalmist is modelling for us is that part of a healthy relationship with God is feeling these emotions and all the stuff that's rising up in the day and presenting it to him. Honesty with God really is the best policy. And I wonder today as well, this morning, that whether there are some people, actually, there's some long-held disappointment or frustration with God that it's just been there a long time. And I think the invitation this morning, part of the invitation as we come to the end, will be just to come and bring that before God and to bear what that might feel like and look like before him. There'll be space for that in a bit. But a couple of practical ideas, good to have practical ideas, about how you might sort of start bedding this into your day. I love journaling, find that really helpful, just allowing myself to write whatever comes off the nib of my pen and addressing it to God. Sometimes a walk can do a world of good. Just the rhythm of putting one foot in front of the other helps prayer and processing. And the examine is really helpful. I learned about this here, but I don't know how often you've talked about it since. And, and there's these cards that Vineyard Worship have produced that there might be some hanging around at KV somewhere. There are, Jim's nodding. And, but this is a great practice which helps us to slow down, to focus on God, examine our hearts and turn to God in prayer, and then just to yield, to let him have his way kind of an ancient Christian practice, so do ask someone for one of those if, if you want one. So that's the first thing I want to say, that healthy life lived before God in the midst of the difficulties and the disappointments starts with searching our hearts. Starts with searching our hearts. And the second thing I want to think about is safety. That when we reach the end of the day with its joys and its struggles, the kingdom hasn't yet come in all its fullness, still, uh, but we're invited to rest in safety we just head back into the psalm, see how David reminds himself to trust God and reminds himself of some of the truths about his relationship to God. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Trust in the Lord. You alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I'm going to read them again, but just receive them for yourself. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Trust in the Lord. You alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. The psalmist presents the difficulties of the day to God, but he also reorients himself on God. He brings the day and he yields it to God. And we can see this dynamic, especially in a couple of contrasts that come out in the psalm. So there's a contrast between those who turned his honor to shame and who are worshiping false gods, and then the psalmist's position as the one set apart for God. So you've got the difficulty of shame and the worshippers of false gods and the safety of his position before God. 
And then there's the contrast between those who are asking, where are we going to get this prosperity from in verses 6 and 7? And the psalm is saying, I'm just going to turn to the Lord's face and his provision. So you've got the difficulty of people searching in other places, and the psalm is saying, but you know what? I'm going to just rest in the Lord's presence and in what he will provide. So the psalm shows us that we need to start in searching and honesty, but that's not our agenda. Instead, our agenda is to return to dwelling safely with God. I don't think that necessarily means physical safety or the end of difficulties, not at all. Jesus is so clear that we're going to have struggles in this world. But we are invited at the end of the day to return to the hope and the security that he has overcome the world. We don't yet see it in its fullness, but God is the one who's making all things new. We know that his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That whatever happened in the day, whether it felt like success or whether it felt like dying, that our future is secure, that we're children of God. We're adopted into his family. We're co-heirs with Christ. And like the psalmist, we can say through Jesus that we are set apart for him, that his face shines upon us that through his spirit, he fills us with joy. And the psalm invites us to return to these truths and many more at the end of the day. And one of the senior pastors of the church that I helped to lead down in Chester has this list of truths in the New Testament that we said, I didn't, I should have got them. But she goes, oh, this is the first page. And the slides, they run on and on and on. There is so much, so much that God says about us, so much that we can return to at the end of the day. Um, But I think for us here this morning, there's an invitation to repentance and to kind of recommittal. In the contrast we looked at before in the passage, the psalm confronts us with the truth that try as we might to live for God with all of our lives, we drift and we wander. Much like David's fellow Israelites in the psalm that are seeking prosperity somewhere apart from God, and much like they're trying to bring shame upon David, God's chosen king, and so they're rejecting God's plan for them, we too can choose our way rather than God's. And especially as we think about safety and returning to God's safety, the invitation, I think, is to lay aside some of the counterfeit safety and the counterfeit gods that we might turn to. John Mumford, who's one of the leaders of the Vineyard Church internationally, and with his wife Eleanor planted the Vineyard Church in southwest London, which was the first Vineyard Church in the UK, once asked a friend of mine in a kind of side of stage moment, whether his biggest temptation was gold, girls, or glory. And the friend was a bloke, but gold, guys, or glory would be just as fine. And the question he was getting at was, where do you go to to get satisfaction and security apart from God? Is it in wealth? Is it in relationships or sex? Is it in fame or success? Where is it that you're building your satisfaction and security apart from God? And there's an opportunity this morning, and we'll make some space for this at the end as well, just to repent and to return and say, I'm not going to seek after all of those things, but God, I'm going to seek after you. And he's the God who always holds out his arms of love to us, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's what's best for us. So we've got searching, we've got safety, and then we've got sleep. I love the way the psalm moves from the difficulties of the day and it ebbs and it flows through the complaints that people have, the things that are going on around him, and then it finally lands in sleep. 
And that's why I talked about it at the start as a psalm for the end of the day, because it ends in sleep, and that's, that's how days end as well. And, but we could just as well call it a psalm for the start of the day, because in the Jewish imagination, evening comes first, and then the morning comes. A really familiar passage, but Genesis 1. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it echoes with the rhythm of, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day, and so forth. And similarly, in the way that the Psalms have been collected for us, you've got Psalm 4, which is a psalm about going to sleep and the evening, and then you've got Psalm 5, which is about getting up in the morning. And it's also why the traditional hours of the Jewish Sabbath run from sunset on Friday evening through to the evening on Saturday. And unlike the way that we think about days normally, I think most of us here think about days like this, starting in the morning and ending in the nighttime, in the Jewish imagination, and right through the Old Testament, and certainly for Jesus and his, his first disciples, the day starts in the evening. And there's something really beautiful on offer for us here in this understanding of where the day starts and ends. If the day starts in the morning, hopefully we begin the day well-rested, and then we get on with the business of our day. But if the day starts in the evening, then we get to begin the day with rest and let God do his business while we sleep. And in the words of the late American pastor and author Eugene Peterson, sleep is biological necessity, but it can also be an act of faith. And he goes on to explain that if we choose to receive sleep as a gift, if we willingly cultivate the evening time as a space where we leave the work and the strains of the day behind and then rest into the evening and let God take control as we yield hours over to him, then it's, it's an act of faith. It's a gift to us. It allows us to realign ourselves with the God who made the world, uh, who designed us, who forms us continually, and who sustains everything. And so the psalmist yields from the difficulties and disappointments of the day, he says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, sleep is a gift, but I'm really aware that for a good number of people in the room, me included, it will be a battleground. You might have kids, work nights, or have health conditions that impact your sleep. And if that's you, what I've just said might sound either hard to hear because sleep does not feel like a gift or something easy to you, or maybe it just feels so like, remote from achievable reality. There's a couple of things I want to say. Firstly, that the principle here is probably transferable to any point in the day, uh, where we can make a kind of willing and conscious choice to, to stop our work and to cede control and uh, any control that we've grasped for and to let God take over. It might not be nighttime that that's best for you. Any other point of transition is fine. But secondly... That as I've been preparing for today and over the past months, I've just got a real sense that God wants to move powerfully in the area of sleep today. That he wants to bring some healing in the area of sleep. So I think there are some people with long-term conditions impacting sleep that God wants to do some work in. And I think there are other people for whom little ones or like sleep patterns are difficult. I think God wants to come and do some work there as well. So in a, when we pray in a few minutes, I'd love to invite you to be brave and to come forward and to ask someone to pray for you. But I also think that God wants to move in the lives of those of us for whom getting to sleep is a battleground because of digital distraction. And um, that's about 70% of us in the room, according to studies. So I don't know how many of us there are, but 70% of that number. We've got our smartphones that live in our pockets 
my smartphone is more intimate to me than anyone or anything most of the time. And then there's every piece of television or cinema ever made available at the click of a button. Uh, and there's social media, and there's news, and, 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 like the list goes on and on. There's a world of content out there vying for our um, attention. I think it's between 700 and 5,000 adverts that the average person in the UK sees every day. And there's lots of information out there about how you could form better habits around technology, and I commend that to you if it's helpful. Um, there's an unsettling irony about the fact that most of that is online, but we'll leave that for now. <laughs> but this is church. This is church. And so we're going to leave the healthy habits to one side here for a moment, because I think God wants to do some stuff there as well. I don't think we can underestimate the spiritual dynamic at play here. That these devices and all this content at times can keep us enslaved and stuck and trapped. And Jesus came to bring freedom. And so we're going to pray for that freedom to come in a little bit too as well. And I think God wants to set some of us free to live just our lives for him in greater freedom this morning by releasing some of the power that digital distraction has over us. In a minute, we're going to stand up and pray and invite God to come and move among us and to do what he wants to do. But as I close, I want to end by just returning to that invitation that Psalm 4 has for us. We are invited to bring the difficulties and the disappointments of our day to God and to devote ourselves to him again. We're invited to allow God to search our hearts, to let what is rising come up to the surface before him. And then we're to yield to the eternal safety offered to us in him and to give God control as we leave our work behind and whilst he continues to do his. So we're going we're to pray together now. So if you're able, I'd love to invite you to stand. And I know you guys are pretty familiar with ministry here at Vineyard 53, uh, Vineyard 53 Kingdom Vineyard, <laughs> different church. But what we're going to do is just going to make space for God to come and do what he wants to do. So I'll pray and um, there'll be space at the front where you can come forward in a minute and receive prayer. But this is just all about letting God do whatever he wants to do. Great. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Would you come and move? And it might be helpful if you're not to put your hands out in front of you just in a posture of receiving. There's nothing magic in that. It just says, God, I'm here. Come and do what you want to do. And God, would you search our hearts? Would you know us? Would you know our anxious thoughts? And would you lead us in the way everlasting? Come, Holy Spirit. And there's, there's lots of space at the front, but particularly, like, we'd love to pray this morning for people who are struggling with sleep. And if you've got kids downstairs, come and do that sooner rather than later so that you can get prayer before they need to be picked up. Um, but if there's any kind of conditions that are keeping people from sleep, or whether that's to do with digital distraction, then we'd just love to pray for you this morning. I also felt whilst praying this week that disappointment, 
that there's someone here maybe who's actually used that word before God in prayer this week, just, God, I'm disappointed. Or you've just been praying about a situation or a circumstance for a really long time and you're just disappointed. I think that, yeah, God wants to meet you in that place this morning. So the band will start playing and there's space at the front. And, um, yeah, just uh, come up and, and receive prayer.